Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. The DASH diet, or dietary approaches to stop hypertension, is making a comeback, if you can ever say it went away. Amid all the fad diets of late, low-carb, low-fat, low-protein, no-gluten, no-sugar, and more, well, this is a tried-and-true approach to eating a healthy mix of fruits and vegetables, and it's the best diet, according to USA Today, for the fourth year in a row. In fact, for early-stage high blood pressure, it can reduce the numbers in just two weeks. Sound too good to be true? Well, here to explain the basics and how to make this work while not tasting like the bottom of your shoe is Sally Bell as our certified diabetes educator and nutrition expert at Straub Clinic and Hospital. We'll be taking your calls at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands 877-941-3689. Sally, welcome back to The Body Show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, the DASH diet. Okay, so there's Mrs. Dash, that salt substitute, right? And then there's all the salt that makes my food taste good. Why is it so bad for me, the salt? Well, salt increases fluids in our body, and so when the heart has to pump more fluid, that can affect the blood pressure. So it might make your pressure high. Okay. So I, I, but I like salt, Sally. Why, I want salt. Now, for those people who, who are addicted to salt... How much are we really eating? How much salt is, is too much? What are we doing that we shouldn't be? Well, the average American is eating three to four times the recommendation. So the recommendation for healthy Americans is to try to eat less than 2,300 milligrams a day, and that's about a teaspoon of salt. A teaspoon of salt. And most Americans are eating three or more times that in a day. Where am I getting it from? I, I don't use a salt shaker. Where is it coming from? You know, surprisingly, we always think about salt coming from added things to foods, but a lot of foods have naturally high amounts of salt, especially if they're canned or packaged, processed. Eating out restaurant foods have a lot of, and we're really talking about the amount of sodium. Okay, so if I'm looking on a label, I'm looking at sodium in particular. And so, you know, but that's why restaurant food tastes good, because they use, like, the real ingredients. That's why I want to keep going. Right. But what we're going to talk about today is how to make those foods taste very flavorful and delicious without using salt. <sighs> okay. It's a challenge. So the DASH diet, why did it come about? What were we it, – it's it stands for Dietary Approaches to Stop High Blood Pressure. But what are the basics? What is it really – about and how can you make this something that you could do every day? The DASH diet is plant-based, so it focuses a lot on fresh, eating fresh raw foods, so fresh fruits and vegetables, fresh meat, so I'm not talking processed packaged, but fresh lean meats, lean protein, and then including some dairy products, low-fat or fat-free dairy products also, and healthy fats. So it's focusing on healthy fats in small amounts and then really watching not just the sodium, but also the sugar and the sweets. So they could just call it the dash your hopes of any flavor diet because now I've eliminated salt and sweets and sugar. Okay, so give me an example. You know, we're talking about the DASH diet. This is a dietary guideline for folks. And if you want to work on 
monitoring your blood pressure, but there are some other areas where it's particularly helpful, this can be a way to use what you eat as a way to treat medical conditions or avoid getting certain medical conditions, high blood pressure, strokes, kidney issues, uh, you know, kidney stones, lots of stuff. So give me like like an example of this is your breakfast and and get out of bed early to eat it because it's going to taste good. What would be a good example of of yum? Yeah, a a great breakfast could be something like a small two or three ounce bran muffin, uh, some nice fresh cantaloupe, a glass of soy or skim milk, and then um, adding some margarine to that or some nut butter to the bran muffin. And that would fill somebody up, provide a lot of nutrition, but it'd be very low in sodium. So you mentioned margarine. Mm -hmm. Is margarine good again? Margarine, what you're looking for is the tub margarine. So you're not looking for stick margarine or hydrogenated oils or those trans fats. So you want to look for margarine that doesn't contain those trans fats or hydrogenated oils in them. So you mentioned that's in the tub. Right. So it's kind of in the container with the lid. And you want to look for the healthy fats. So you want to look for margarines where they're using canola or olive oil. Um, So canola or olive oil-based or flax oil-based margarines would be the best choices. And I can find this anywhere? Sure, you can find them in your stores um, without naming any brand names. They're available in your just your regular grocery store. So brand muffins, margarine in a tub, cantaloupe. Mm-hmm. Okay, that you got to cut up yourself. Now, you know, I was talking to one of my patients today, and we were just laughing. And I said, you know, why is it that fruit is so much better when someone else cuts it up for you? I do not understand that. You know, I mean, it's just, it takes a lot of effort. So could you, if you were to go ahead and buy a cantaloupe on Monday, cut it up into little pieces, put it in your fridge, how long is that good for? How long can I rely on that cantaloupe? Do I have to eat it all in one day? No, you don't. uh, A whole cantaloupe will actually stay fresh for quite a while in the fridge, but if it's um, cubed or you're cutting up and making a fruit salad, that, that will last a couple of days. So I could put in the effort on Sunday and have that through Tuesday or Wednesday. It'll last you through the middle of the week. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk a little bit more. That's my dream breakfast. Let's talk about maybe dream lunch and dream dinner, and then we'll talk about how this fits into the DASH diet. So so lunchtime, you had a wonderful lunch today. You went out, met a friend, went to a, a fabulous restaurant, Fresh Cafe, and you're talking about this salad. And as soon as you said I had a great lunch, I was like, oh, what did you eat? And you mentioned salad. And I went, oh, how could they make that good? So if you were following the DASH diet, how can you make a salad something exciting, interesting, and make somebody go, oh, I can't wait to eat that? Yeah, so the DASH diet, the principles, again, are plant-based. So lots of fruits and vegetables and including nuts or seeds or legumes. So, um, you know, spicing up a salad with some sunflower seeds adding some grapes or sliced pears or apples, um, and adding lean protein like chicken breast or salmon, and then going for those dark leafy greens that are very high in potassium. The other thing we know about blood pressure is that a lot of us get too much sodium, but we don't get enough potassium and magnesium, and potassium and magnesium are very important for managing blood pressure. So fruits and vegetables are very rich in potassium, and your grains are very rich in magnesium, your nuts and seeds. So something like a spinach salad 
with some grilled chicken or salmon, adding some orange slices or pear or apple slices, maybe adding some nuts or seeds to that salad, and then using a healthy olive oil or canola oil-based salad dressing to it can make it fit right into the DASH diet. And nothing's missed. You know, you add some fresh tomatoes. And You've got a little perfect. bit of everything. Exactly. Now, if somebody really is concerned, should they just check their potassium, magnesium, make sure it's not too low or off? I mean, you can do that in a blood test. It's pretty simple. Absolutely. They could talk to their doctor about getting checked up and seeing what their blood work looks like. But they can also um, look at labels to see how they're doing with their sodium and potassium and choosing foods that are good sources. How much potassium does somebody need? The recommendation is a 4,700 milligrams a day. So 4,700 of potassium Mm -hmm. and 2,300 of sodium. Right. That would be the limit for sodium is to have... That's the most. You can have less. Right, exactly. So do do they have like a potassium that tastes like salt? There is potassium chloride that some people use when they're watching sodium in their diet. So that can be used. There has to be caution with patients that have chronic kidney disease or other conditions. But the uh, potassium chloride is available as a salt substitute. So how when we, when we talk about 4,700 milligrams of potassium, like we mentioned that that's a small little teaspoon of salt. How much potassium would that be? What's the average amount of potassium you might get in some common foods? Uh, a baked potato would have a 900 to 1,000 milligrams, a medium baked potato with the skin. Yeah. Is the skin the key? It is. It so is. if but you just so eat what's the... inside, it's not as... Well, no. Actually, the, the, flesh, the flesh is rich in sodium as well. That's why if we boil the potato, if we peel it and we boil it, the potassium um, will leach out into the water. So you'll lose that valuable nutrient if you're boiling potatoes. I guess French fries don't count. They would be too high in sodium. Unless I made them with potassium somehow to make them taste good. <laughs> okay. So, so, but how else? Like, you know, if you were to just say, I'm going to have some bananas. I mean, do bananas have a lot of potassium? Is that a good way to get potassium in your diet? Bananas are a very rich source of potassium. So that's a good choice as well. So is cantaloupe. So when we talk about the DASH diet, you're really trying to bring in Fruits and vegetables, which are naturally low in sodium, but very high in potassium. And if you choose foods that are high in potassium, at least allow yourself one or two choices at a mealtime. You should hit that 4,700 milligrams in a day. Now, when I talk about potassium, I usually talk about milliequivalents. MEQs, like if you get a prescription for potassium, it's 20 milliequivalents. And yet we're talking milligrams. And now I'm confused. Yeah, in foods, you want to look for milligrams, and so the recommendation is in milligrams, so that's what you really want to look for. Now, you're not going to see potassium on food labels, so it's kind of hard to keep track of. So persons can go to the USDA Nutrient Database, and you can easily Google that and type it in your search engine, and it is a huge database of all the um, foods that you can look up, any nutrient, including potassium and sodium. So if you get a banana and you want to know how much potassium is in it, you know, there's this kind of an average banana size, Mm -hmm. but then we have the little baby apple bananas and then these other bigger ones. Mm -hmm. So on average, how much 
isn't a banana. I don't know why I'm obsessed with bananas. Maybe <laughs> maybe I need to go eat one. I don't know. But how much how much potassium is in your standard average banana? A medium banana has 425 milligrams. Okay, so a 425, and I think that's about 15 milliequivalents. That's how I do my math. Exactly. Is if I'm trying to translate this for somebody who says, I don't want to take that big monster horse pill of potassium. I want to get it in my diet. So I could do the math on that one, which exactly. would take me longer than I'll admit. Okay. All right. So so we want to get magnesium. Where are we getting that from? From your grains, your nuts, your seeds. And you want to choose whole grains. Make sure you're looking for um, breads that are made with 100% whole wheat flour. Look for rice bran and things like that, oatmeal, and intact grains. So Now, just because it's brown doesn't mean it's whole grain bread. It doesn't. A lot of breads might have added color, maybe from molasses or things that might make it look brown. But you want to be sure that you're looking at the ingredient list for 100% whole wheat or any type of whole grain. And then also check the fiber, the dietary fiber on the food label also. And our fiber, how much of that do I want to be looking for? If you're looking at breads, you want to choose breads with at least three grams of dietary fiber per slice or per serving. And if I were to just look at white bread, how much fiber would that have? It would have less than one gram, so it's not a good good source. So the way the way to know if it's dyed brown or not is if it's less than one gram, uh, if it's three grams or more, then I'm probably getting enough fiber in that particular bread slice. Right, and so you may buy wheat bread... And it might look brown, but if it doesn't have at least three grams of fiber, it probably doesn't have whole wheat flour or whole grain or enough whole grain to make it significant. What if you don't want to eat gluten? There are many other ways um, and whole grains to choose. So, so gluten is wheat, but it's not buckwheat, quinoa, some of the other types of grains. Right. So gluten is actually... Um, the protein from some grains. So it's not only found in wheat, it's also found in rye and um, barley. So someone may be avoiding those types of grains, but quinoa is actually a seed. So they group that with grains, but that's a wonderful choice. Brown rice, wild rice. So there's lots of ways to get whole grains and more fiber. And again, the DASH diet includes and recommends so many servings from beans and legumes and nuts. So you can get your fiber that way too. Let's talk about dream dinner. Somehow I think the DASH diet dream dinner might be different than what I might be craving. So what would be my dream dinner on the DASH diet? Well, you might be surprised because you might like pasta. So your mm. dream dinner could I be think I do. a cup of whole wheat spaghetti and some vegetarian spaghetti sauce. Or you might want to... Use the extra lean ground beef so when you're in the market, if you're making a meat sauce, you can look for the sticker on the ground beef and it should read 90, um, 97, uh, I'm sorry, 93 over 7. So your regular full fat or higher fat ground beef is your 80-20. So you're looking for your 93-7. So 7% fat is extra lean ground beef and oftentimes that is much leaner than ground turkey or chicken. So you could add that to your tomato sauce and get some freshly grated Parmesan cheese. And what's for dessert? side salad. Okay. Um, for dessert, you might want to do some fresh fruits or some dried fruits, uh, maybe a little small serving, half cup of sorbet or gelato. 
So you're wanting to watch the sugars and the fats because you're trying to control the calories. But you also want to make sure you're getting that nutrition. So you mentioned sorbet or gelato. Sure. What's different about gelato than ice cream? It's just a little bit lower in fat, but it just has a richer taste. Um, And then the sorbet is just usually made from fruits or pureed fruits. Um, Sometimes gelatos can be made with some pureed fruits. Um, And if people have issues with lactose intolerance, sometimes they handle that better. And one of the things about the DASH eating program is because it does focus on dairy especially getting potassium and calcium, which which also is helpful for blood pressure control. Um, if someone's lactose intolerant, they can use buy enzymes or drink lactate, or they can drink lactose-free um, options like soy milk or almond milk. Now, it's interesting. You just called it something that I think is really helpful because we can call it the DASH diet, but you mentioned it's the DASH eating program. So it sort of lends itself to a little bit more of a lifestyle choice when you call it that. It is, and I really don't like the word diet, so I try not to use that. So Um, the eating program. So if somebody says, I want to follow this, what do you do when you fall off the wagon and eat like a piece of pizza that's fantastic? I mean, when we talk about an eating program, there doesn't seem to be as much of a, oh, no, I blew it sensation about it. But how do you reverse if you've gone off and eaten like, you know, three days worth of your sodium intake all at once. Well, that's the thing that, you know, sodium, you can kind of accumulate it throughout the day. So if you know you're going to like a baby luau or out for dinner, um, or you know you're going out for pizza, then you kind of want to watch your sodium throughout the day so you kind of don't go over the limit. But you really want to be cognizant of your choices and then just get back right, you know, get right back on the saddle and just start. It's always a new day. So trying to also think about other things that can cause high blood pressure as well. Um, Weight loss is very important for managing blood pressure and cholesterol levels. Also, exercise. Um, Alcohol has a big part to do with this. So the recommendation is for women, one drink a day, and for men, two drinks a day to help manage blood pressure. So there's lots of things that people can do as part of the program. It doesn't have to be just one aspect. It sounds like what you're describing is to take a look at this in a multifaceted approach and say, okay, I'm going to work on the salt. I'm going to work on the exercise. I'm going to work on the diet, cut the alcohol, and do a lot of different ways to approach this problem, whether it be high blood pressure or another health challenge. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Sally Bellas. She is a certified diabetes expert and nutritionist, and we are talking about the DASH eating program. And if you have a favorite low salt recipe or food that you found really makes a difference for you, or if you've had high blood pressure and through your diet and exercise, you've been able to reduce it, we'd love to hear from you. What you tell us might just help somebody else. You can join us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Tickets for the August 3rd HPR Benefit Concert with Jeff Peterson, Raya Helm, Cyril Pahinui, and John Colibus in the Polyku Theater are sold out, but a limited number of rush tickets will go on sale at the Polyku box office one hour before the performance. That's August 3rd. Rush tickets available for cash purchase only at 3 p.m., 
Jeff Peterson and Friends Hana Ho, sponsored in part by Surfco Toyota and the 2014 Toyota Prius. Have you ever found yourself interested in a local news report and then missed half of it because you got a phone call? Or maybe you had to park the car and turn the radio off. If you want to find out how that report ended, you can go to hawaiipublicradio.org and click on News. There you'll find links to individual reporters' stories, contributors' essays, neighbor island reports, and the talk show audio archives, the HPR website. It's just a click away. Aloha. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here with certified diabetes educator and nutrition expert Sally Bellez, who works at Strop Clinic and Hospital. And today we're talking about the DASH eating program. We won't necessarily call it a diet. And we'd love to hear from people who have had challenges with blood pressure and if maybe changes in their diet really helped them as well. You can join us at 941-3689, toll free, 877-941-3689 from our neighbor islands. Before the break, we were coming up with a recipe for a day and you know, what could somebody eat if they wanted to monitor their salt intake, maybe get some extra potassium and magnesium. But let's say I'm going to go ahead and host a party, Sally, and I want to have more than one choice for dinner. So what are some of the options that I could consider that might be alternatives to what we've talked about? We mentioned some whole grain pasta. We mentioned these delicious salads. What else could I do? I'm having a party. I want people to have some options and choices. What's next on my menu? Well, perfect, because the DASH diet is plant-based. So having crudite or having... Okay, some, I don't know what that is. So having some chopped raw vegetables, a variety of colors, and maybe having some healthy low-fat dip with it. Yeah. Oh, just I just like call it veggies and dip. Baby carrots. Crudite. Oh, now I can be and, fancy. All right. Veggies and dip. Um, maybe having some uh, roasted, unsalted nuts on the side uh, for starters, appetizers. And then looking at your main dish, what you'd like to do with that. Maybe some roasted uh, baby potatoes or sweet potato. So these are some options. Mm -hmm. What about another main entree? A main entree could be, um, if you wanted to, you could do some herb um, broiled uh, fish or chicken. And you can choose lean protein. So loin cuts, like maybe a lean pork loin, could feed up to four to six people. And you mentioned broiled as opposed to as opposed to fried. Yeah, so part of the DASH eating plan is also trying to prepare foods in healthier ways. So grilling or broiling, baking, steaming, and preparing foods with a lot of um, without a lot of extra added fats. And the reason that this is healthier is because you're not adding oil to it. Right. So the DASH diet is not just about yes, it's about dietary approaches to stop hypertension. But it's also been shown to lower cholesterol and weight and help with weight loss. So someone following this uh, program, if their goal was just to lose weight and they weren't even worrying about their blood pressure, this meal plan or program could work for them. If someone was watching their cholesterol, this program could work for them. It might even help someone with um, osteoporosis because it's focused really on getting enough calcium and dairy products. So it really does apply um, across the spectrum in terms of just healthy eating. That may be why it, it's number one rated dietary program 
fourth year in a row is because, like you mentioned, it is fairly applicable. You know, often I'll have people, I'll tell them, okay, your sugar's a little high. And they say, well, what should I not eat? Just desserts? And I'll say, well, you know, but different types of foods come into that, other carbohydrates and things. And so this might be a good resource for them to take a look at. If they have issues, this is whole grains. These are healthy sources of carbohydrates as opposed to the sugars, the desserts, the chocolates, the things that might be having a tendency to get people into trouble. This is a great program for someone that maybe has been told they're borderline, have borderline high sugars or prediabetes. Because it really is trying to get in healthier food choices. Now, what if you're living on a budget? One, a caller just came on and uh, wants to be anonymous and said, but you know, fresh fruits and vegetables are kind of expensive. How can I do this and yet not break the budget? And that's such a great question. So thank you, caller. And I hear that all the time in my practice as a dietitian nutritionist. You know, I can't afford these fresh fruits and vegetables. So you know what? As as if you get the chance, um, a good way to save is to just scope out the farmer's markets. A lot of times you can get some fresh fruits and vegetables cheaper that way. And they're, they're higher in nutrition because they're sometimes picked that same morning. So they're going to have more nutrition. But, you know, frozen Fruits and vegetables are available. They're inexpensive. They don't go bad. You can put it back in the freezer, what you don't use. And so they're a great way to follow the DASH eating program and, you know, watch the budget so you're not throwing, you know, money down the, the trash. So, or. Well, and that's another another thing is that it is more expensive to buy things that are fresh. But a recent study came out that said, you know, there's always a debate. Is organic better than Mm non-organic? Should you pay more for organic? And they did actually take a look at various different organic and non-organic foods and found the organic ones actually had more nutrients, maybe less exposure to pesticides or other sorts of things, actually gave them a a higher quantity of vitamins and minerals. And it was kind of surprising. Yeah, you know there've been there have actually been many studies comparing organic versus non-organic and um the the evidence is just not conclusive right now. There's there's equal amounts of both saying one is um just as nutritious as the other. Um some of the studies I've read um do show that organic is slightly more nutritious. Um it's only maybe 15 20 25% more and it really does depend on what foods they're looking at, where they're from. So honestly, the most nutritious foods are going to be the foods that we get closest to to home and are fresh, um, so that nutritional value is at its peak. Um, But that's the reason frozen fruits and vegetables can fit in this DASH eating plan, because the fruits and vegetables are picked at their peak. Um, If someone's on a budget, um, that would be a great way to go. Organic, Organic produce can be quite expensive. So you could go and get... Frozen, I'm just thinking of like the triple berry mix, or you could go ahead and you could get some frozen berries or frozen fruits or even frozen vegetables and store them in your freezer and then thaw out what you need. And that could feed feed you, feed your family, feed other people for less of a cost than if you had to get them all fresh. I mean, I often wonder, you know, you get hungry, you go to the farmer's market, you buy all this stuff, you go home, you get tired and you say, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll cook that tomorrow. I'll make that another day. Then it goes bad. So frozen is actually a good idea. Now, what if you buy it fresh? Can you freeze it yourself? You can if you have the appropriate means of packing it. So you want to make sure you're using freezer bags and making sure you're packing it well so the vegetables don't get freezer burn. So if you even decided, I'm going to buy it fresh, I want to save some for later and have some now, you can just 
make sure you're using, again, the appropriate bags you mentioned. You, you don't need to vacuum seal it, I would imagine. You just need to get out some of the air. I think Avoid you just need to get burn, out most sure. of the air. But many of the uh, vegetables do better if they're cooked prior to freezing or just um, a little bit steamed or cooked. So that'll, that'll, that'll make help it easier, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. So now we've, we've planned my party, but we didn't really plan desserts at my party yet. So we have dinner foods. We have a couple of entrees. And we for dessert, we could have the sorbet. You mentioned gelato. Fresh fruit, always better when someone else cuts it up, right? Always better when someone else cuts it up. So these are some of the things that are incorporated in the DASH eating program. Mm-hmm. What kind of medical conditions might be improved? We sort of touched on it a little bit when you're eating any sort of particular, in this case, healthy vegetables and plant-based diet. There's there's a lot of information that suggests that this could be helpful for a variety of different medical conditions. What do we see with, with following this DASH eating program? Well, the, there's definitely shown through the research studies that individuals following the DASH eating program have been able to lower their blood pressure in as little as two weeks and maintain that by following the program. And if um, now the DASH diet is based on 2,400 milligrams of sodium or 2,300 milligrams, but there's also the DASH uh, sodium plan that significantly lowers sodium to 1,500 milligrams. And so those those persons in that research group or that arm of that study, they actually showed even lower reductions in their blood pressure. So we know about how much salt that is. It's like a teaspoon. But I don't really have a good concept for how much salt is actually in some common foods that people eat. So what are some common amounts just visually? Mm-hmm. Like maybe, okay, pizza, french fries, healthy soups. Like what would be a good visual? I mean, is it like three tablespoons and a slice of pizza? How much is it actually that, that can help me put this 2300 in teaspoon in my head? For some of the basic foods we eat, like, say, a can of soup, a can of soup has about a teaspoon of sodium. And that's Is that my about, whole day's worth? That's your whole day's worth if you ate a whole can. And don't forget about things like canned chili or canned um, roast beef and potatoes or canned stews. Those have about one teaspoon. So if you ate a whole can of chili, you were tired and you're just like, I'm just going to open this can of chili, microwave it, sit down and watch TV and eat it. That is your day's worth of sodium right there. So I hope it's the end of the day if you're doing that. Okay. So a, a slice of pizza, depending on what's on it, could be as much as half a teaspoon. So half, half your day's worth. So if you, you know, if you ate the whole pan pizza... You know, oh, well, let's, probably... and you survived it. I hope not, but okay. Yeah. All right. So, but can you just drink a whole lot of water and dilute that? Can you just be like, okay, I had something really salty. Let me just drink a whole bunch of water and just, just get it out of my system. Does that actually work? I don't think that really works because the thing is the sodium is going to make us hold more water. So that could be very problematic for someone with already existing high blood pressure or heart failure or chronic kidney disease. So it's not necessarily a good tactic, depending on what's going on with the individual. So you can't dilute it out. Just not going to work. It's just not going to but work. But if you did that, the next day or so, you could reduce your sodium intake, kind of balance it out. Does it, does it matter day to day or does it matter your average on a week? In someone with high blood pressure, it really does matter day to day. And in someone with um, heart failure, 
they really have to. They're like be, meal to meal. They've got to really absolutely. Be they need to be weighing themselves and all of that. So um, things like cheese. Um, I love cheese. Um, but you want to look for cheeses that have less than 140 milligrams of serving. Generally, any food that has 200 milligrams or less of sodium per serving, so you're looking at the food label here, is considered to be low in sodium. Cheese has salt? It sure does. So let's does talk about have a lot of salt? hidden salt. It, you know, it's more the amount we eat. So if you think about an ounce of cheese. Well, what's that, a slice? Yes, about a okay, like a, slice a craft single slice, ounce, okay. ounce and a half. You know, so you you want to watch out for those because it's easy to you Does know snack on a lot like of cheese. Does that have like two hundred, two hundred milligrams of sodium in my it's slice a, of cheese? It's it's a little less. So okay. so, so if don't you're have doing four. a slice, you'll be okay. Yeah, not four slices. Right. Okay. So when we think of a slice of pizza, the equivalent on cheese may be more than. A single slice. Well, we have to stop thinking of a slice of pizza because it's dinner time. And now all I can think about is a slice of pizza. All right. If you them, Dr. Kathleen Kozak here getting some dietary tips with Sally Bellis. She is our certified diabetes educator and nutritionist. If you've got a secret, something you figured that helps your blood pressure or, or a food that has helped to reduce some of the concerns you have about sodium or your favorite recipe, you can join us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877. 877- 941-3689. I did that, Sally, so I'd stop thinking of that pizza. Okay, so I'm trying to manage my sodium, so you're trying not to have too much. Where are my other hidden sources of sodium? You mentioned cheese. Really? Okay. Yeah, Where so, else is it hiding? So a lot of times we don't we don't think about it unless something is obviously salty to us. Chips. Like chips or nuts or simon or things like that. But other culprits... You know, spam muso Okay, spam is in a can. I really wonder if there's any ham in a can. Is there going to be low salt varieties? I don't think so. I don't know. They have a low salt spam, but uh, there is. So that even that is not considered low sodium. So again, for something to be low sodium, it has to have less than two hundred milligrams per serving. Okay. And so even the lightest spam has about five hundred and sixty milligrams. Your regular spam, two little ounces, has seven hundred and ninety. So that's how many? Very seven hundred and ninety milligrams. Okay. So you know you're inching up almost half your day's worth. So if you did the spam musubi for breakfast and a little cup of noodle for lunch, and you did the can of chili for dinner, you kind of blew your sodium for the day for more than a day yeah you might have blown it for a few days okay we've got jenny on the line from kahalu before we get to more hidden sources of salt jenny welcome to the body show hi thanks for taking my call thanks for joining us i'm getting scared there's salt and cheese (laughs) i have to say i'm not calling about salt okay uh, but back a few minutes ago when you were talking about um fresh and healthy vegetables and how local vegetables are better, but oftentimes they're expensive, but you can find them at the farmer's market for a little cheaper. And I just wanted to put a plug out there for growing your own food also. I was thinking about that, Jenny. I have such a black thumb, but you're right. You, know, you could grow I, I your had own. a black thumb and, you know, it just takes, I think you just have to not be afraid of things dying and try again. And I mean, seeds are inexpensive. They also have seed share stations all around the island where you can, for free, just pick up a packet of seeds. Um, and even when it comes to um, 
your soil and compost. I mean, community gardens, there's free compost pile. You can go and collect your own. And even um, if you wanted horse manure, which is a great source of nitrogen, I mean, all of the stables, you can collect your own for free. So, I mean, it does take a little more legwork, but we certainly have the right uh, weather for it. And so I just wanted to uh, put that out there. It's a great idea. Jenny, do you grow your own vegetables? Uh, you know, I do. So, like, and I also have um, participated in a CSA box. So, so tell me, how long does it take to grow a tomato? Uh, tomatoes in the summer, it's probably, I mean, it's definitely not overnight. Um, but if you bought a plant that had already started, um, it would certainly be much quicker than from seed. And even the plants, if you went to Home Depot, I mean, a tomato plant is, you know, anywhere from a dollar fifty to $3. So still, you know, and if that's a plant that you're, you'll grow many tomatoes from, um, but back to your question, it's probably about two to three months, I would say. So you could, here, we could probably grow things all year round. Yes, and so That's you big plus about here. And so you could go and you could grow your own tomatoes. I mean, grow more than one in case, you know, you want some extras for your salad. What else do you grow, Jenny? I'm curious. Um, you know, there are a lot of, I mean, I, because I have my CSA box, I tend to grow the things that I don't get in them. Although things like lettuce and greens, those are, you know, within a month, very quick to grow. And, I mean, as things like lettuce are growing and even things like kale, you can always clip um, to sort of, um, you know, make it a thinner, to thin where you're growing it, meaning you eat the thinnings, you eat the baby greens as they're coming up, um, whatever they are. So you'll have a constant supply of um, fresh baby greens as well as if you wait until they mature, then you'll have, um, you know, leaves that are bigger. So really, you could grow your own. We've got the weather. You mentioned a CSA box. What do you mean by that? Uh, so there are many farms uh, that have a, it, CSA stands for Community Supported Agriculture, and you can uh, you, you sort of buy into becoming a member of their sort of community. And so I pay a certain amount each month, and I receive every week, and different farms, have different rates of pickups, uh, but mine is every week, and I get a bag full of fresh organic vegetables. And so you don't have to grow those; they come to you. Well, I have to pick them up, but yes, I don't grow them myself. So you they're could... local, and they're picked the day that I pick them up, and you can't get much fresher than if I. I mean, the other only way that it would be fresher is if I grew it myself. So, like for someone like me who's who's growing challenged, I could contact a local community community farm and see if they're doing the CSA box, then I could go there, pay them, and get all these fresh vegetables that I don't have to grow. Correct. I'm loving that. How do I find out more? And they're organic, too, in in this case. The farm that I uh, participate in this program is an organic farm, and so every Monday I have a bag full of fresh organic vegetables that I can feed my family all week long. Fantastic. Is there like a website I can go to? Do I just call where you go? Do I call you? You, know, you I call imagine me? if you Googled CSA Oahu, all of the different vendors and different farms that have that kind of a program would pop right up. And then you could find one that fit your schedule, fit your um, price range, um, things like that. You are serving the needs of my lazy inability to grow things self. Thank you, Jenny. I really appreciate it because you're right. Grow it yourself is an option. And if you don't feel as though you can or you live somewhere in a condo or in an apartment where you can't, you can support your local your local community farm. That's another yep. way to get your fresh 
fruits and vegetables. Great. All right. Well, thanks so much for sharing that with us. Thanks so much for having me. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio, learning lots about vegetables that I don't even have to grow but could be fresh which is fantastic. When we come back, we're going to talk with Sally Bellas, our certified diabetes educator and nutritionist, about some other secret hidden sources of sodium and maybe some good substitutes that can help things to taste good but not necessarily get us in trouble with blood pressure and other sorts of dietary issues. You can join us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands 877-941-3689. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. On the next humankind, Bobby Kennedy Jr. You know, God gave us a whole world, a whole universe out there. And his will is written in the stars, and it's written in the forests, and it's written in nature. Environmental activist and author Bobby Kennedy on the role of nature in spiritual life. Next time on Humankind. This evening at 6.30, right after Marketplace. The first thing which struck me on being introduced all around was that I was in the presence of wealthy people, people who were bored to death and who were all, including the octogenarians, already three sheets to the wind. Henry Miller in Hollywood. This week on Selected Shorts from PRI Public Radio International. Tuesday at 5 p.m. following Travel with Rick Steves. Aloha. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Today we're talking with Sally Bellas, and she is a certified diabetes educator, nutritionist at a Straub Clinic and Hospital. And we're talking about dietary choices and what are some ways to incorporate lowering your sodium and following a DASH dietary program to see if this can help you with health conditions. Research has shown that it can help reduce blood pressure, but it can also help reduce problems with kidneys. It can reduce the production of kidney stones. It can also help with problems with borderline sugars, also cholesterol, lots of different ways that this particular DASH diet is applicable. Now, right before the break, we heard from Jenny from Kahalu uh, telling me that I don't have to grow them myself. I can still get fresh fruits and vegetables. I can feel really happy that I'm that I'm helping the community farms. And there's ways to go about becoming a CSA box I guess, a subscriber. And so you can go online and take a look at that and see who the Oahu vendors are. What a great way to incorporate fresh fruits and vegetables. We've got another caller on the line. We've got Chris from the North Shore. Chris, I hear you're a grower. Yeah, I do. Uh, I actually grow a lot of tomatoes myself and uh, some other plants. Uh, I definitely would suggest pollards. Pollards grow extremely well here. And uh, you can pretty much eat that about every day off of one plant. It'll, it'll grow to be about four or five feet high and produce quite a lot. So you do this and you... Now, do you share what you grow with other people, Chris? I'm curious. When I have extra, I certainly do. Uh, sometimes it's just, uh, you know, goes into our dinner each day. But, you know, if I have extra, I'll give it to the chickens or uh, to the neighbors. So, you know, in this situation, you grow certain... Things you grow tomatoes, you grow collards. You know, if a bunch of your neighbors grew something else, you guys could all get together and share all these fabulous fresh vegetables that you're all making all the time and effort to grow. Absolutely. My, I had a neighbor who's a tree trimmer. He would share coconuts all the time, which is another really, really healthy uh, tree. Hey, Chris, this is Sally. Um, 
What's your favorite recipe or way of preparing your collard greens? Uh, you know, I actually made collard greens and I used liquid smoke. I just looked up some recipes online and uh, it, it just kind of was my own variation of a southern recipe. And when it came out, I used a little bit of that Kilauea spicy barbecue sauce and my collard greens tasted like a smoked pork sandwich. It was fantastic. Like it was an entirely vegetarian dish. All right. Well, that sounds fabulous. Thanks for telling us about it, Chris, growing your own and collard greens. What a great way to go ahead and be able to support yourself getting your green vegetables, but also have a way that you grow it yourself. Sounds like a plan. We've got John on the line from Kauai. John, welcome to The Body Show. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks for calling. What can we do for you? Well, I have a couple of items. So neither of them are exactly on track with what you've been discussing, but uh, I find myself having low... Um, blood pressure, and I'm wondering if low sodium is kind of is the main cause of that. Or, And I asked my physician about it, and he said, well, put more salt on your food to get, take care of the low blood pressure. And I'm not sure um, what he was, you know, if he was kidding or... Well, I'm sorry, you said it did take care of the low blood pressure, or it did not? No, it, it didn't. It's, I still have low, low blood pressure, uh, dizziness on rising and that kind of stuff. Um, so I just was wondering... If, where I, sh- where I should go next with that, maybe if that's something that uh, I could rely on my diet to help out with? Or Well, it's an interesting question, John, and I think part of what you need to do is clarify with your doctor if you're on any medications that could cause that. When you talk about having low blood pressure when you stand up, that's a condition called orthostatic hypotension, which is something that's usually exacerbated when you change positions. Like if you're sitting and you stand too quickly, There's medicines that can do that. There's medical conditions that are more associated with that. You know, in general, in medicine, we think low blood pressure is good and that we want people to have low blood pressure, but not necessarily if it's something that's causing them to have symptoms. And so I would say talk with your doctor. Express to them that you're having the symptoms. Take a look at your medicine list if you're on any. And then you can work on some techniques to first figure out if there's any other potential cause for it, and there could be. But secondly, to also figure out some tips and tricks on how to stand up and not necessarily experience the dizziness. So I think that's um, certainly a valid a valid concern that you have. And no, I don't think you can just go salt your food all the time and increase your pressure and feel better. There might be something underlying all of that. And, you know, Sally, too much salt is not good for you. Is that right? For most of us, we get way too much. So, So even mm-hmm. if you're in a situation where... You have low blood pressure. Too much salt could do other things in your body, not just affect blood pressure. Right, because that you know that's one of the things. But it also affects our kidneys, and so you know there's there's more to look at than just increasing the salt to to deal with that. Uh, I mean, condition. it sounds like a yummy solution, but probably not going to work. All right, we've got Linda on the line from Haiku. Linda, welcome to the Body Show. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks for calling. What's for dinner tonight, Linda? <laughs> Well, I don't know what's for dinner tonight. Um, bought lots of fresh vegetables today, but I have a really good tip about that uh, covers a lot of spaces, a lot of issues, and that's you know a lot of people like deep fried things, um, but you can do something like make a uh, organic waffle mix, or you can buy certain nice organic waffles, but without like gluten, and instead of sugar, you use applesauce. And you make a whole bunch of those, you freeze them, and you make them without salt, 
And then when you take them out, and it's great for kids, too. A lot of people really like donuts. But if you use fresh, you know, virgin coconut oil instead of butter, it's like it replaces like people who like donut-y like things, and you don't have the deep-fried oil. You don't have the salt from the, bu- from you know, the all that. And, and it, instead of using butter on those types of things, I love coconut oil. And it good, glows so good with sliced up fresh peaches, like if you have a buckwheat rice a waffle made with the coconut oil. And, uh, and then, you know, it doesn't have any sugar, except for the apple juice, applesauce, I mean. Um, and then you put that coconut oil on top, and you put that fresh fruit, coconut and fruit. And you don't, anybody who really feels like they need a donut, instead of deep fried, you've got raw coconut juice, you've got fruit, you've got nice whole grains without gluten. It's a great substitution. Linda, if I'm ever in haiku, I know I want a donut. But I'm going to have to find you instead and have your all-natural solution to making it sweet and yummy and delicious. Sally, coconut oil. Coconut seems to be the new rage. Coconut water, coconut oil. And you're smiling like, like you, wanna, you want one of her fabulous waffles now, too. It just sounded really good. <laughs> yes, it and, did. And no salt because you're not using butter. Yes, very nice. I think that's a wonderful recipe, and I, I'm sure it's very good. Um, yeah, you know... Coconut, um, there's the coconut flesh, there's the coconut water, there's the coconut milk, there's the coconut oil. So, you're, you know, you're looking at different aspects of the coconut. The um, coconut meat and the milk and the oil um, are in the saturated fat family. But um, because they're medium-chain saturated fats, they don't have that um, negative impact necessarily on our cholesterol levels. So coconut oil can help to increase your good HDL cholesterol. So it's a wonderful item to incorporate into your diet, you know, as long as your cholesterol levels are, are in the healthy range. But it, hel- it can help people increase their good cholesterol. And it tastes good. Mm-hmm. Really mm-hmm. the most important part of it. It tastes good. Mm-hmm. You're going to want to do it because it's yummy. All right. So now, but if I had to choose between olive, uh, olive oil, coconut oil, um, vegetable oil, and or is there another oil? Corn oil, maybe. What would be my What would be my preference? Should I go coconut first or olive first, or what's the healthiest out of all of those? The healthiest oils are oils that are um, that contain unsaturated fat. So what would that so be? there are different classes. There's monounsaturated, which is your olive oil, your canola oil, sesame olive and oil, canola, sesame. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then there's your polyunsaturated. That would be your other vegetable oils, like your soybean and your safflower. So those would be your other polyunsaturated fats. And they're they're all healthy fats. Um, the monounsaturated fats, like your olive oil, um, your canola oil, is very beneficial because not only can it help raise your good HDL cholesterol, but it can also help decrease the LDL, which is the bad cholesterol. So you kind of get a double benefit there. Um, but you can you can get that benefit for raising your good cholesterol with the uh, coconut oil as well. Um, it 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 can increase the LDL though at the same time. So if you have a high LDL cholesterol, you may want to watch how much coconut oil you use. And and personally, I like to mix the types of. I have uh, several oils that I like to use and alternate in my cooking, depending on what my recipe is and what my taste is. So um, it's nice to have a variety of those um, options and healthy oils. What's the bad oil? 
the uh, you definitely the, the one you want to avoid hydrogenated oils. You definitely want to avoid those oh. trans fats, um, and you want to avoid um, saturated um, fats as much as possible. So um, you know Crisco, bacon fat, those kinds of things, or using um, the 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 fat from those types of uh, fattier meats and things. So if I'm at the grocery store and I see all these different types of oils, which one should I avoid? Generally, your bottled oils are going to be unsaturated because a saturated fat is typically solid at room temperature. So all your vegetable oils are unsaturated. So that's good. So if it's liquid at room temperature, it's fine. Yes. Interesting. Liquid at room temp, it's fine. The exception is coconut oil. It's going to be solid because it's a saturated fat, but it has the benefit of helping to increase the good cholesterol. All right. I'm learning a lot. We've got Tom on the line from Manoa. Tom, welcome to The Body Show. Thank you. I'd like to let the folks know about the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. People aren't aware, but you can buy seeds and plants which produce food for the household to eat. Really? Using the SNAP program, you can buy seeds and plants? Which produce food for the household to eat. Yes, that's correct. So, and as long as it's like a, a plant that's producing like tomatoes or, or, or collards or kale or something, that's included in the SNAP program. Yes, or a fruit tree, banana. A fruit tree. Anything, yeah. That's wonderful. I really didn't know that, Tom. That's really a great yeah. thing to let people know because there are a lot of folks that are on the Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program, and, you know, they might just think, I have to go to a food store but this is a way for them to use those benefits to actually purchase a plant that can renew the source of their bananas or their their vegetables again and again. That's right. You don't have to keep buying. You can you can build. Wonderful. Well, that's a that's a great piece of advice, Tom. I appreciate you sharing that. Aloha. All right. Thanks for calling in today. I didn't know that, Sally. I, I wasn't aware of that. I know they're looking at expanding the benefits through the SNAP program, but I didn't know you could get seeds or so. That's that's interesting to know. I know they're allowing EBD cards at farmer's markets and things. That was a big so, thing. That was in the last year or so. great. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Because we want to encourage, you know, if this is, let's let's go ahead and promote our local farms, our local mm-hmm. growers, and, and healthier nutritional sources. What a great way to do it. Yeah, and I just, you know, not to get too much off the subject, but I just really like the idea of people getting interested in growing some of their own fruits and vegetables or involving their children, not just in growing, but also in the food prep and, you know, letting kids at it, you know, helping them, letting them help to prepare salads or wash and clean or chop fruits and vegetables and, you know, just in, enjoy what the bounty that nature has to offer. Well, and I think, you know, if I ever... And I'll have to try it. If I ever grew my own tomato, I'm going to tell you, that's going to be the most well-prepared, cared-for, cherished tomato that I'm going to be, like, all excited to eat. Because when you grow it and you get to see it, I think there's a different element of of taking the time to eat it. And, and it's going to – I have a feeling it's going to taste better because you know how much effort you put into it. Kind of like when someone chops up your fruit for you. It is when they chop it up for me. It tastes better. It does. I don't know why that is. It's just the laziness factor. Okay. So let's talk about the DASH diet on the go. What could you do to eat some of these plant-based fruits and vegetables and yet have it be quick, fast, and easy? We've talked about how to prepare it at home, optimal, having a lot of time, being able to prepare. 
what if you're on the go? How could you, what could you find at a local store or at a takeout or even at a drive-through that could help you if you're following this dietary program to not fall off the wagon? So honestly, it's not going to be as easy to follow the DASH eating program for someone that eats out a lot because most of your foods at restaurants um, or or chains are going to be high in sodium because that's what oftentimes gives food more flavor. So eating on the go is going to be a little bit more of a challenge, but it's certainly doable. So someone could easily pack simple meals, but also if they were um, at the grocery store, they could look to the salad bar. A lot of times they have fruit cups packed in water. They have vegetables or produce that's already chopped. Um, They have little variety packs. So there's a lot of ways to just pick up your vegetables on the go. And again, you know, that may cost a little bit more, um, but that's one way to do it. Um, Trying to always add a salad to a meal or purchase the salad bar if you're going out to a restaurant and look at that option. A lot of times salad bars have legumes, beans, and nuts, and lots of other things, seeds that you can add to the salad that fit quite well into that DASH eating program. So you really could. Now, what if you went to, you know, not that any of us ever do it, what if you went to McDonald's or you went to Burger King? They have salads. Do you have to be careful with the salad dressing? Is that something you have to keep an eye out for? I've even seen like apple slices for for, you know, different various drive throughs that you could actually get that as a choice. Is that possible? And that's the thing. Salads are great, but you do want to be careful because you just hit on the salad dressing. One tablespoon of salad dressing has an eighth of a teaspoon of salt. So it's one eighth of your daily intake. Exactly. So you do want to watch the amount of salad dressing you use, but you certainly could do something like a salad and do like a grilled chicken sandwich and kind of watch that. You want to be careful, though. A lot of um, fresh meat sometimes has injected salt solution or sodium solution to help them taste better and keep their moisture. So, you know, some of those roasted chickens can be high in sodium. So you kind of want to keep that in mind if you're having that for um, a quick meal or, you know, bringing it home because you're just pressed for time. Um, to keep in mind what else you're serving to kind of minimize the sodium because you know that that roast chicken is going to be higher in sodium. So now, you know, here's here's the million-dollar question, Sally. What are you eating for dinner tonight? I mean, you're going home, right? You're going to have to be on the go. You've got like 30 seconds. What's for dinner? So You know, sometimes you can even pick up... For you tonight. A pizza in the store. You're going to get a pizza? Store. Well, I... I haven't planned my dinner for tonight. Right. Well, but I was thinking maybe you had and you could give me some tips and then invite me to join you. That was sort of where I was headed, but okay, <laughs> fine. We're going to have to pick this up again sometime. Uh, Sally, I appreciate you sharing your expertise and with all of our callers, giving us great tips on growing your own vegetables. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us today. We'll have to have you on again. Sally Bellas is a certified diabetes educator, nutrition expert at Straub Clinic and Hospital. And if you want a dietary consult, talk to your doctor. They might be able to help you and help you meet with a nutritionist to figure out what your needs are. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org, find our podcast. Our engineer is David Chong, our executive producer, Beth Ann Kozlovich. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. See you next week right here on The Body Show. (laughs) 